Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 449. My name is John Morgan, and Cold Coffee is with me in the virtual sense of the word as we join you one day late. I offer my apologies, and from separate locations in the country, I am currently in Tunica, Mississippi, actually the Horseshoe Tunica Hotel and Casino. Meanwhile, Cold Coffee is at the beautiful, wonderful, palatial Casa de yes. Cold Coffee, enjoying a wonderful afternoon. Cold Coffee, I guess before I let you get in, let me just offer my apologies to the world. It was my fault we were late a day. It was not your fault it was late a day. I had a crazy schedule. We'll talk about that in a second. But I just want to put I want to put the blame on these shoulders, and I want to make sure everybody knows <laughs> it's not Cold Coffee's fault. It's John Morgan's fault, and I apologize. There, yes, there. Now your conscience is clear. Yes. Now your conscience is clear. And I will give the update. The weather is lovely today, just like it was <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> 76 degrees right now. It was. It, it is fantastic right now. It is absolutely lovely. And I know that's why you guys tune in to us. So there's your weather update for Las Vegas. It's beautiful, just I, like it was yesterday. And it's going to be tomorrow as well. <laughs> I know. That's what everybody wants is that Las Vegas. Well, while we're at it, I'll just tell you right now, in Tunica, Mississippi, it's 58 degrees. So not quite as much mm. on that warm side. It was a, a little... Yeah. A little bit colder where I was last night. Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess we can just get into it in, in, as far as there. I do want to talk about uh, – we'll have to talk about Francis Nagano because – Oh, you're way up there. I just looked it up. Tunica's way up there. Yeah, yeah, basically – I was looking at what the difference was to, like, Biloxi. Like, I used to spend some summers around Biloxi area or whatever, but you're, like, six hours away from Biloxi. You're way up there. Yeah. You're, you're barely in Mississippi. A hundred percent, yeah. Essentially, when you get here, you fly into Memphis, and then you just barely yeah. cross into, this, into the state border. So um, – yeah, I, I do want to talk Francis Ngano because it is still dominating the headlines, and it's kind of funny, you know. We we I didn't have planned doing an and a half episode. You know, normally I do them after UFC events, and uh, you know, maybe if I'd have thought it was going to be quite the epic thing it was, maybe I would have had the forethought to uh, to have one. I was actually talking with our good friend Abby Saban. He's like. Man, when you come in with the and a half episode, I was like, bro, I wasn't planning on doing that. I didn't think things were going to turn out like that. What are you talking about? So didn't do one. But uh, so here's why I was late. So, yeah, we, we had a really good week this week. Uh, it's a big week. We're still right in the middle of it with CFSC. We kicked off the CFSC match day schedule, which is uh, the collegiate wrestling program that we're doing we're doing nine dates this year and when i say this year this season i guess because a little bit of it bleeds into january of next year but we had the first one last night at fort liberty which was formerly fort bragg which you and i talked about yes. is is kind of wild you've got real ties uh to the actual yeah. building where we were in the pope airfield uh which i think is i i'll, I'll never forget that man i think that's cool you have family ties there yeah, I love it. I love it. That's so cool. I, I that name's gonna take a while to sink in uh, for me. It's gonna take some time before I remember that one. But yeah, no, that's cool, dude. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that area down there, boy. In summer, that area gets hot as all get out, dude. So I'll tell you this right now. They didn't talk a lot about them. So by the way, if you haven't checked it out on on UFC Fight Pass, please do so. We had two meets last night. It started out with Campbell University versus West Point, which I thought was super cool. I mean, we had the cadets from West Point on an army base wrestling you know what i mean so they had a lot of pride on the line they're facing campbell university who's this kind of up-and-coming program that's actually ranked in the top 30 uh it's division one legit ncaa wrestling matches um which if, if you never watched are really fun really fast paced 
the first one of the night was amazing. We had like this true freshman come in and, and score this come from behind victory in overtime. He had to come from behind to even tie it up to get into overtime. Then he wins it there. Uh, the second uh, matchup ended up going into overtime as well. And the final, the final points in it, there was like a review whether it was really a takedown or not. So I mean, we had a lot of excitement on the night. Um, those wrestlers are tough, man, and, and, and it's exciting, and I'm, I'm, I'm just really enjoying it. I'm, I'm the new guy on the block, man. It's like I'm not even part of the broadcast team. I'll, I'll fill in some spots here and there over the year, but um, last night we had Shane Sparks and David Taylor who are – I mean, David Taylor is probably the best wrestler on the planet right now, and Shane Sparks is this amazing commentator. Like, that dude knows his – like, to even pretend I could do his job – Nah, that dude is on point when it comes to wrestling. So it's fun to watch and observe and learn from those guys. And I'm doing some behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, but, it's, but it's really fun. But I say all that to say it was a little chilly outside. So it got cold. And because we're in this Air Force uh, hangar, and last year, if you remember, we did that event, and it rained on Veterans Day. We had, like, this monsoon come through. This time we didn't have rain. But apparently on Monday night, it was like 80 degrees at night, and the weather dropped like 40 degrees in a day. So it got a little chilly at night. And those wrestlers, I mean, I mean, they're out there grinding, so I doubt they felt it. But everybody else that was kind of hanging around, it was, a little, it was about like 40 degrees during some of the late matchups, and we had the doors open because oh. we had to. So uh, anyway, so. You didn't think they were warm in those onesies? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> singlets, sir, singlets. <laughs> Singlet, sir. Uh, let's get the terminology right. Onesies, singlets, whatever. It's all the same thing. No, you see, this is the education process that we are trying to bring to the masses and hopefully get a little crossover audience and, and, and see some of these. Um, it was it was actually pretty cool, man. The the big heavyweight for Campbell University, Tay Gadiali, I, I interviewed him beforehand, and he just kind of dropped in there that like he was kind of thinking about uh, doing UFC like, at some point. You know, He's like, I think I might fight at some point. And, we're actually giving out a CFFC match day belt for the outstanding wrestler of each meet. So whoever has the best win, uh, we're giving championship belts to as well. It's kind of like a unique opportunity. Again, this is kind of like this new program, you know. And Tay, uh, the big heavyweight, actually got a fall via pin. Uh, so he actually won the belt. So this guy that said, like, and he's a big athletic heavyweight. He's like, you know, maybe I'll fight MMA someday. He actually got a championship belt. So uh, anyway, that was – Very cool. Yeah, that was last night. Um and then and there was just so much going on during the day, and there was other things going on. But that was last night, and then we had the early get-out to come here and, and fly here and, and uh, in Tunica, Mississippi now because we've got CFFC 127 on Friday night. CM Punk will be here, so we'll have that. Uh, and then we will actually fly again uh, on early Saturday morning. we got to get up to Ohio because we've got another match on Sunday afternoon on USC Fight Pass as well. So uh, I just want to outline this chaotic crazy schedule and hope i mean hopefully maybe uh earn a little bit of sympathy i guess for missing a day is all i'm basically trying to do i'm trying to educate you <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to educate you on all we're doing and i'm trying to i'm trying to let people know what they can tune in and hopefully watch but i guess i'm trying to curry some favor as well so maybe maybe people don't get mad at me for saying where the hell were you guys where the hell were you yeah which part uh what, what part of ohio I believe the city is called Massillon, Ohio, is the name of it. It's uh, We're going to fly into Cleveland, and I guess it's okay. just outside so of Akron. Um, this is actually cool, okay. too. So here's so we're trying to pick, like, unique spots each time, um, and this is uh, the high school. So it'll be Iowa State versus Cleveland State, uh, and this where we're going is the high school of the star – Iowa State wrestler who's previously won a national title, who's in his last uh, year of eligibility. Gotcha. So we're taking him back to his high school where he graduated from, 
and, and having this matchup. So, uh, yeah, it'll be kind of fun. So, yeah, visiting your – visiting cool. not necessarily your old stomping grounds, but at yeah, least Yeah, no, not so much. That's a little bit little bit north of it, but uh, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, a lot of fun stuff going on, a lot of fun stuff going on. And then we'll fly back on Sunday night after the show in Ohio and then eventually make my way out to New York uh, where you will be as well for USC 295. So we yes, will – We will convene the road show in New York as well. So uh, plenty to talk about in the upcoming weeks. But, yeah – I, look, I, don't, I know it's, again, we're, we're already late in the week, so I don't want to dominate the show by any stretch of, of the Francis Ngannou talk. But let's be honest, it still does seem to be some of the biggest headlines out there about what does he do next, where does he go from here. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of curious what your take was because I feel like I'm saying the thing that we're not supposed to be saying, and that is that I definitely thought Francis Ngannou looked amazing. Um, I thought he looked better than I than I thought. I never, ever, ever saw him winning a decision. Like I always thought, the man has power. He could connect. Yep. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, but never saw him win a decision. So I, I do really think he looked good and better than I thought he did. But I, I think I'm saying the part out loud that we're not supposed to say, and that is, I didn't think Tyson Fury looked all that good. Uh, right. And so, and I feel bad saying that because, man, you know how much. I got love for Dewey Cooper. You know how much I got love for Eric Nixick. You know how much I got love for Francis Ngannou. So, you know, those those that's our Vegas crew right there, right? Those are the people we see all the time. So, I was just there. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> right. You exactly. We'll talk about that in a second. You were literally just there. So, I don't want to take away from anybody there like what they accomplished and what they did is amazing, but I feel like both those things can simultaneously be true, right? Like isn't it also yeah. possible that Tyson Fury just didn't look like the same guy that fought Deontay Wilder, for instance. I mean, I I don't know. Hundred percent. And I don't mean that. I as mean, an but insult. I think no, no, no. And I think a lot of it. I mean, I think you could say that he didn't look great, but I think you have to, you know, at least some part credit part of that to Francis and and his 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 game plan, the way that he never really he didn't uh, and and Chael, boy, Chael and. Uh, Ariel, I don't know if you saw them. Those two got into a big time over Francis I yesterday, have been like so arguing on. So I have been they so got busy. really upset at each other. Yeah, I've been so busy. I haven't been able to chance to see that. But obviously, like even in flights and between meetings, like I see these social media clips. It seems like yeah, that that got kind of vicious. Yeah, and 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 I mean, people could look that up. I mean, because I don't want to summarize and say it the wrong thing. You know, Ariel's definitely was sort of came at the point where he's like, I've been team Francis, and you know, I was right, and and people are kind of shitting on the fact that Chael thought that Francis, you know, fumbled the bag in the sense that if he had been fighting some of these big MMA fights, he would have made more money along this time if he stayed active as opposed to waiting to this one big payday that he got from um, Tyson Fury, you know, two years of, of inactivity and, and this, this, this. But that then other stuff started going where, you know, definitely personal sort of issues between uh, Chael and Ariel kind of really kicked it off. Um, but again, people can follow that or whatever. But the reason I bring it up, because Chael raised a good point when he was sort of breaking down the analysis He's like Tyson Fury when he fights and when he does a lot of what he does, he does he throws a lot of feints and he throws a lot of stuff that he's expecting fighters to react to. And then when he sees the reaction and he starts learning the patterns of the of his opponent's reactions, he could throw a feint and when they react, then he does these follow-ups. But as he was saying, Francis wasn't reacting to those. Francis is like, what can I know you all I all you have is power. I want to feel that power. And so he didn't he didn't give anything on these feints and so 
in a sense, it, Tyson never really kind of got to get into his swing of things because he wasn't partially, and if you just take it on what Chales was saying, he wasn't getting the reaction from Francis, so he was constantly stuck sort of in this trying to figure out Francis mode, and then he felt the power. You know, he uh, Francis was throwing good shots and then and the speed. And if he was only paying attention, you know, people, a lot of people are thinking that Francis was kind of trolling people with the way he was hitting mitts and was looked a lot slower because as soon as the fight started, there wasn't the slow hands. There wasn't that sort of like, oh, man, he doesn't look like he's ever thrown a jab in his life before. You know, the hands were going a lot quick and a lot of power. So I think some of those jabs we were feeling it, I, you have to kind of give Francis some credit in there to, to why Tyson possibly didn't look as good as he could have looked. But even subtracting that, Tyson on his own sort of just sort of looked out of it a little bit. You know, he um, he likes to get in. I think partially maybe too, as a fight goes, typically with him when he starts landing some really good shots, he, then he starts to talk himself up a little bit. He starts getting a little bit vocal. Yeah. Then the showman shows yeah. up. I didn't feel like we ever saw him. That that guy never showed up for the fight. And I think that's why some people are like, wow, uh, this was a different Tyson. I don't know who this guy was, you know, whether that's a case of he didn't think Francis – had the the power to hurt him or didn't think he had the speed to hurt him, didn't think that he um, had the right game plan. But afterwards, I love the respect that Tyson showed him. He said he was he was a talented boxer, said he had a great game plan, said he had some power. I mean, all these things that we sort of knew on the MMA side that most of the boxing um, fans and, and stuff were like, okay, you know, all this guy has is power. You know, uh, is he going to be able to, is his cardio going to last? You know, is he going to be able to do this, this, this? Francis did a wonderful job of conserving his energy. He still, you, I mean, for the most of the fight, he had his mouth open. I think, you know, from the third round on or so, and a lot of people were starting to worry that he was tiring. We knew his power would still be there, and but I think the way that he was sort of not really expending a lot of en- uh, energy, you know, taking these feints that Tyson was giving. He wasn't throwing too many crazy hands. He wasn't throwing crazy power nonstop. So, I mean, I think he did a great job of conserving his energy all the way through those 10 rounds. Right. And I just think I, I, I got to give Francis a lot of credit. And in my eyes, granted, I'm biased 100%. I love Tyson. I think he's a, char- a one hell of a character. I thought Francis won. I thought Francis did enough. You know, that knockdown uh, carried that round easy. And then a lot of the other rounds, I was starting to pick and choose. And I thought Francis had the better shots between the two of them. I thought his defense was good. I just thought he did more. And But I will admit, I'm completely <laughs> biased in Francis's direction. So maybe, uh, you know, I needed to see uh, Tyson Fury really doing some harm for me to give him the rounds. But I just felt like with uh, Francis's uh, activity, the way he was sort of pressing the pace... Um, and I just felt like he had the more powerful damaging shots. And, uh, so I, in my mind, he won, he should have won. Is it a win overall that he even made it to that point? Sure. But I I almost feel bad. You know, all of us sort of like patting ourselves like, yeah, well he won. He, he already won because he did what nobody thought that is true. But I feel like he really did win. That's like selling him (laughs) short a little bit. Even though you're saying it the right way, it's like you're selling him short by saying moral victory or whatever. It's like, no, yeah, like a moral victory. Like, bro, I wouldn't say it's a robbery, but I mean, cause he could have did, I think some more towards the end. I think he could have, really laid it on more so but i think he was being respectful of tyson's power which is i think is smart because tyson has plenty of knockout power i think it would have been silly of him to just chase the knockout towards the end but it would have been nice to see in those last few rounds for him to really you know if his corner really just could have told him and just said bro we need 
make these three rounds have no doubt in the judge's mind that we've won these last three rounds or something. I just felt like he could have pushed the pace a little bit, but um, I, I'd be lying if I wasn't saying when I was watching them call the names and I've heard that first, the first judge went to France. I was like, oh my God, he we're going to get it. He we're going to get it. You know, <laughs> I was so hyped. Um, but yeah, credit to him. Um, credit to his team. I thought, you know, a lot of people, you know, were wondering how well Dewey Cooper, because even I think when I was listening to the commentary team, it was like they didn't know who his team was. They didn't know who his coaches were. I mean, they're, they're coming from the MMA world. So a lot of most of the boxing media were just sort of like, you know, well, we don't know what this team's all about. And they weren't giving them credit. And I feel like people weren't paying attention or that they weren't going to give the right tips. But when you were listening to him in the corner, I felt like the TV was going to his corner a lot. I mean, they kind of spread it out between the two, but every time they went to that corner and went to Dewey and them chatting, I thought he was saying the perfect things. I thought I thought it was just a perfectly planned fight, and I thought the, the tips and the info that they were giving him in the fight was absolutely incredible. I just would have loved if they would have told him to kind of push the gas a little bit more of those last rounds. I know. Um, just to kind of erase some doubt, but I think they were trying – they were being smart because it was – Right from the get-go, he didn't try to go out there. Everybody thought he had three rounds to go out there and knock out Tyson or it was done. He wasn't going to have any chance. I think everybody yep. thought he was just going to go pedal to the floor, 100%, let's go, go, go. And when he didn't and he was looking sharp, I was like, oh, shit. He's going to try to box him. He's going to try to box him. And he did. And he outboxed him in my mind. Yep. I mean, he outboxed him. So... You know, call me a homer, call me whatever. In my mind, Francis won that fight. I will clearly say I was biased to the fucking <laughs> to my gills, but um, I thought he did fantastic. I thought it was I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was um, it literally. It's funny because I did a poll on Junkie. I did a community tab. I could put five choices. First choice: uh, Tyson Fury knocks out Francis Ngannou. Second was. Uh, Tyson wins the fight in rounds like one rounds one through three, I think. Uh, the other, uh, the next choice was like Fryson, uh, Fury wins in rounds four to like six or whatever, and then it was like Fury wins um, by decision, ten. I think. Seven to ten, and then it was like, and then the last choice was like Francis shocks the world. Two answers could have been right after the fact. Fury wins by decision, and Francis Ngannou shocks the That's world. Point. And more people, like a lot of people, actually picked that going into like actually it was like the highest polled one. I think a lot of people had a lot of belief, but granted, we're all MMA homers. It's MMA junkie site, you know. But um, I thought it was incredible. But it's funny. I went back and looked at it. And I was like, bro, two answers out of all the polls I've ever done on junkies, two answers could have been the right answer because of his performance. So yeah, it was a. Uh, it was fantastic. I mean, we could talk about the spectacle or whatever. Some most of the other fights didn't mean you know nothing to me. No, thought it was crazy that 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 two hour break in between oh. where they had the concerts and stuff. I felt I was joking with the guys on the Slack channel. I was like, I, we could have watched like The Godfather or like Gladiator <laughs> or any of these long ass movies in between. Uh, it was just crazy, and it's funny, you know. We talk about pacing that some other organizations. I get what they were trying to do. It's one thing if you're there and you're watching the spectacle, but when you're watching on TV and you have those huge long pauses, and then you get into like this little mini concert, which the concert was pretty cool. It was pretty, it was pretty neat to see. I mean, I didn't know half the people that were in it, but it still looked pretty oh, cool. I was gonna say, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know who they are, but like, as for just for me being like a 
uh, like a technical theater sort of like nut job or whatever, watching the screens come in there, watch the chore- choreography and the way that they were interacting and the quick sort of set changes, the quick changes of the people. I thought that was, I was like, wow, they really did well on that. But is that something you want to see every time? I mean, like, do I want to watch an event and have a two hour intermission <laughs> before no. the main event every no. time? Like no. it's, that's not for me, you know? And if that's the way things are going, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I just don't know. So I know that was a very long answer when I was talking about Francis and I started getting like, oh, about whatever. But hey, uh, <laughs> we, we, we need your thoughts on it. And I think you laid out a good point. You, you are right about that because that was my initial thing is, but to, to say that Tyson didn't look good and not give that to any credit at all for Francis for making him not look good. It might be taking yeah. something away from him a little bit. So, great point. So, all right, well, listen, let's do this. Uh, because I, I did want to get your thoughts on I did want to lay mine out there a little bit. But I wanted to kind of lead into uh, a, a, an opportunity that I had to, to speak with uh, PFL CEO Peter Murray, who was actually over there in Saudi Arabia as well, uh, because I wanted to get his thoughts on the whole uh, hoopla and everything that happened there and get his thoughts on kind of what happens with uh, Francis Ngannou next? Because I think that seems to be a big question. And, and is it really a positive or a negative for the PFL? Um, and, then, and then we'll talk about some other things, too, that also relate to your day today. Um, so let's just tee this up. This is my conversation that I had uh, with Peter Murray. It is PFL CEO Peter Murray who has made his way back to the United States after being in Saudi Arabia for what was, I mean, what can you say, an absolutely incredible Tyson Fury versus Francis Nagano event. And, and Pete, before we get into the fight itself, I just wanted to get your impressions of the event as a whole, right? Because you have been around, you know, the biggest sporting events in the world, and this thing seemed on par with anything the world has ever seen. Oh, it was an absolute, uh, you know, world-class spectacle. I mean, it was uh, it was a mega global event with all the pageantry, the entertainment, the celebrity, and then the build to the main event. Um, it was really world class for sure. It really was something to watch. I was just watching it for home, obviously, but it seemed like an incredible event. And then, you know, I'm tuning in for entertainment value. I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be a spectacle. And then, my goodness. Francis Nagano goes out there and does better than I'll just be honest. I think anyone expected other than him and his team and his family uh, came up short, but I just thought had an incredible showing, you know, had the knockdown show that he could box. He had more than just a puncher's chance. He was out there competing, uh, man, just give me your thoughts on his performance. And I got to imagine you were feeling that same kind of impression along the way. Everyone underestimated Francis, you know, including Tyson. And, uh, you know, you can't, you, you, you can't count, you, you know, Francis out. He's a force. I mean, you, you look at what he's, what he's done in the cage. You know he's a striker. And what, what no one really had a clue on is, like, what was his technique going to be, you know? And, um, you know, he really proved that, you know, while somewhat unorthodox, uh, he went toe-to-toe. And while he didn't tag Tyson as many times, uh, when he did tag him, tagged him, you know, his, his power was felt. And, you know, in the third round, you know, dropped him. And um, I think that really created the dynamic in the fight. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It really did. I mean, as you said, the technique that he showed, I mean, switching stances and just looked comfortable everywhere. And you said a little bit unorthodox, but that's kind of the smart way to play it, right? I mean, you're not the lifelong boxer. You got to go in there and do something a little bit different, maybe fight the guy more than box the guy. And I don't know. I just take kudos to the whole team. And I feel like, 
you know, they've been building to that moment for so long and to go deliver on that stage was pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, from, you know, with uh, Francis and Andrew Kutro and Markel, um, you know, they're, they're a team and uh, they took a lot of flack for, you know, making, making some moves and they, uh, you know, Francis had conviction and, uh, and he's building, uh, he's building a platform. He's doing it his way, which is great. Absolutely. Now the big question when it comes to Francis is what does he do next? Right? Because it sure seems like a lot of people want to see him in some boxing matches, whether it be a rematch with Tyson Fury, whether it be some of the other big names that are out there, whether it be Wilder or, you know, AJ or even Usyk. I mean, who knows? You could really put him with anybody. So I guess the question would be, you know, I know you leave that up to him to decide, but as great as this was, is there any chance that this is a potential negative for the PFL, who I'm sure would love to see Francis come compete in the smart cage? Oh, it's going to happen. Yeah. So listen, Francis has a plethora of options now. The, you know, the best of the best in boxing who now will take him much more seriously, you know, than Tyson, uh, you know, did. And uh, so there, there's the next big fight coming. Francis has options on who that opponent is in boxing. And we think that's great. And uh, but Francis is also committed to getting back into the cage in 2024, making his debut with the PFL. And, uh, you know, we'll launch our, our pay-per-view division next year, um, our Super Fights division. He'll be part of that. And we're having a number of conversations in terms of timing, his opponent, uh, in MMA and how that would work with boxing. So all that stuff's being worked out. Uh, Francis can do both. Uh, the, the question is, which one comes first? Um, and, and that's okay. You know, uh, we have a lot going on at the PFL and we're excited to make, you know, some, some additional announcements, uh, very soon, uh, in terms of, uh, expanding our calendar calendar of events and even making an impact in, uh, or, or expanding our, our pay-per-view, uh, our fights. So, you know, we're excited. I love it. Hey, and who says maybe you can't do some cage fights alongside some boxing fights? I mean, anything's a possibility, right? I agree. Why not have, you know, you can have a ring in a cage next to one another or do it in the same, you know, do it all in the cage, crossover fights. So, you know, the Deontay Wilder conversation, I think it's great. And, um, you know, Francis talked about that fight. Um, we're supportive of it. Uh, modified rules. I think fans would not only, you know, get up for, you know, seeing Deontay and Francis go at it, but, you know, intrigued about what are these modified rules? How does it work? And, you know, we can draw those plays up. I love it. That might be the most interesting possibility on the table right now, but there's a lot of them. So we'll be excited to see what gets decided. I guess I would ask you as well. I mean, obviously, you know, you're over there to watch Francis, but Saudi Arabia, of course, a business partner with you and the PFL as well. So um, I, I, I've got to imagine, number one, they're just excited, right? I mean, he's part of your organization. They're invested in it. He has a great performance. But, I mean, what can you tell us about the latest on that partnership and kind of what the next steps are to figure out, you know, how you guys work together? With respect to um, our partnership with Saudi Arabia? With, with correct. Our, yeah, with correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, uh, Surge, uh, which is the sports investment arm of uh, PIF and, and, you know, KSA, um, you know, we have a long-term strategic partnership. Uh, they're minority owners in sort of our global entity. 
And uh, as part of our overall partnership, we're committed to staging, you know, more major mega events in Saudi Arabia from pay-per-view super fights to world championships to other mega events, including the launch of PFL MENA, our second international regional league. And uh, so we're, we're really focused on building out the ecosystem, a, a world-class ecosystem in Saudi um, uh, tied to MMA at the grassroots level, working with the combat federations, the Olympic combat federations in Saudi Arabia, and um, you know, really putting the uh, resources and infrastructure in place to develop athletes, as well as you know, stage our uh, our international uh, league events in PFL Mina, but also stage mega events. Uh, you know, pay per view. I mean, I, I truly believe it's it's such an interesting time um, in that part of the world, in Saudi Arabia specifically, on the intersection. Of, uh, of sports and Saudi Arabia is the new fight capital of the world. Uh, you're going to see more major, you know, not only sporting events across other major sports. I mean, they have F1 and they're built, you know, they have obviously football, meaning soccer um, and, you know, plenty more events to come in, in different sports, but within combat sports and MMA, as it relates to our partnership with, with, with PFL's partnership with Surge, major, major events coming on the calendar. And then uh, we'll distribute that content globally. Awesome. Looking forward to hearing about that. You mentioned it, the new, the new fight capital world. I mean, they, they announced a deal with the UFC. And you have always, you know, peacefully coexisted with the UFC. Said, hey, the audience is really underserved. There's room for both of us. But was that a surprising announcement? Or, I mean, I think a lot of us from the outside are looking in trying to say, well, what does that mean? Does that mean they're not as committed to the PFL as we thought they were? Or, what, you know, how does that all shake out? So when you saw that news, I guess, what was your thoughts on it? Yeah, no, listen, um, we're, we're focused on what we're building. Um, PFL is at, at the forefront of KSH MMA uh, global strategy uh, as an investor and to, you know, essentially transform the sport, uh, both globally and regionally. Um, you know, I could also tell you we're having conversations with Abu Dhabi and Qatar for PFL related events, um, you know, in conjunction with uh, our long term plans in the region. So, you know, more to come on that. That's awesome. There really is room for everybody to exist there. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know the goal was 2024 to have the MENA League up and operating. Is that still the plan? On track. You know, that'll launch in second quarter of uh, 2024. And then going back to Francis and, and his other hat that he wears beyond being now a professional boxer, you know, MMA champion, um, chairman of PFL Africa. So, you know, Francis, the PFL, we've been going to work uh, in the coming, I would say, weeks now. We'll be making some major announcements on strategic partnerships, media distribution, uh, as well as the road to, you know, the PFL Africa League launching in uh, 2025 in addition to how we're going to be, you know, ramping up uh, some of that talent, exciting talent from the continent. That is awesome. I've told you before, but I'll say it again. When you guys first started laying out these global plans, I thought, man, how ambitious that is going to be to get that done. But you keep chipping away at it and you keep improving and keep proving that you can get it done. So very impressive. Yeah, uh, and I look we, forward I'll tell you that we will have six uh, international leagues up and running uh, by 2026. So, you know, PFL Europe, 
done, up and running, inaugural season, the third PFL Europe event, which was our playoffs. That was our debut in, in France. You know, we, 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 ex we did the event in Paris. It was amazing. Obviously, Cedric uh, Dumbe was at the top of the card. And, you know, the show was sold out two months in advance. And um, it was the most viewed MMA event in uh, France, in France's uh, television history. And that was PFL Europe. That wasn't a PFL global season. That wasn't a PFL pay-per-view event. So, you know, the demand is there not only for MMA, but the PFL brand of MMA and what we're bringing to the sport and, and, and to markets all over the world, Europe, France included. And so, you know, it's just a, a proof of concept right there. And then, you know, we finished big in Dublin uh, with the PFL Europe championship. That's going to be another great moment, I think, for the sport. Uh, we have some great Irish fighters on the card in the hunt for that championship, plus number of showcase fighters, you know, on the card. And then, you know, Mina's on. I mentioned PFL Africa in 25. In addition to 25, we'll be, we'll be making announcements and launching PFL Australia um, alongside of PFL Africa in 2025. And then what will follow is PFL Brazil slash LATAM and then PFL Asia. Um, so six leagues within three years, and then we can really start activating in-region competition, pan-regional competition among the, these regional leagues and athletes, and uh, creating the, the Champions League of MMA. That's what we're focused on and what it solves for fighters. And, you know, you love this sport. You've been in this sport for so long. And, you know, why we exist is to give great fighters who are in different stages of their careers around the world opportunity, opportunity to compete consistently against top competition on major media platforms, their ability to earn their way to regional championships and, uh, and, and, and becoming champion, and then pathway to PFL Global, and perhaps for some up, up to that pay-per-view division. And, you know, very much so hope is the strategy of this athlete around the world. Because, you know, unfortunately, there's not enough, you know, um, resources, infrastructure, systems in place to give them proper development and pathways. That's what we're focused on. I really do love it. The promotion relegation system, but for individual athletes. And as you said, the clear pathway to start from where they are and get to the very top, which is not always an easy journey. So I love it. Uh, you, you know, you touched on how great France did. It really is proof of concept. Uh, obviously, the only criticism there has been of PFL Europe is people in the United States want to see it, right? So as you continue to develop, you know, there around these global leagues. Yeah, no, and and uh, that's just tied up with uh, how our distribution agreements are structured this year. So we'll be opening up distribution for around the world for all of our international leagues, including here in the U.S. for PFL Europe, here in the U.S. for PFL MENA, so on and so forth. So more to come, and uh, we'll see how to how we tackle the championship in December to give uh, fans uh, some uh, access. That's phenomenal. That's great news. All right, well, listen, so much going on around the globe, but of course we still do have the championship coming up in Washington, D.C. on Friday, November 24th. I'm looking forward to being out there. It's always a great scene. Uh, a number of great fights on the lineup for sure. I mean, obviously when there's a million dollars at stake, there always is, but some really good matchups. But what can you tell us, Pete, about just maybe your excitement for this event in general, maybe something that it signifies, anything special over this year versus free previous championships? 
Yeah, well, listen, going back to, uh, you know, D.C., we have D.C. Roots, you know, our chairman, Don Davis, and, uh, you know, and, and founder, or my partner, you know, he's from D.C., Ted Leonsis, uh, you know, uh, an investor in the PFL and great partner, all D.C.-based. And, you know, so we have Roots in D.C., so we're excited to go back. And, uh, you know, I think also being part of a holiday weekend, you know, we started the championship, you know, with uh, on New Year's Eve. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, two years we, we staged it on New Year's Eve. We thought, what in a great holiday weekend to uh, engage on some top competition and in MMA and a, a night such as this, it's a spectacle. Um, so last year was great. Thanksgiving really worked out. What else is, it, what else is everybody doing on, on Thanksgiving Friday? So you might as well give the gift of fighting this holiday with the PFL on Black Friday, six world title fights, one night, life-changing money on the line. You also have Kayla Harrison coming back uh, against Julia Budge. She's on the card. Uh, we have Ray Cooper, you know, on the card. So this is gonna—it's gonna be a fun night. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the lineup. Now, I did see some people that were criticizing a little bit. They said, "How is there a million-dollar final?" on the lead card of this on ESPN plus and not on pay-per-view. But I looked at that and I see Gabriel Braga and Jesus Pinedo. And I say, that might be one of the biggest fireworks matchups of the night. They got some rivalry. It's going to be great. That to me, looks like a strategic decision to lead into your pay-per-view versus a potential sure. oversight. Yeah. Well, like, listen, as, as we're getting started, everybody said there are formulas and, and certainly there's data and we're focused on it. And, you know, maximizing, you know, viewership and, and of course the buys, that's the model. But, you know, we do think, you know, leading in strong with a fight like that to create excitement and there's five more championships to follow. Come on in. That's kind of a handshake, like come on in. And then, you know, that leads into Ray Cooper versus uh, Brunson, a, a new signing. And then you go right into Kayla Harrison versus Julia Budd. And that's a fight that fans and we wanted to put together over the last uh, couple of seasons, and, and and now we have that opportunity. So there's plenty there for everybody below the card and certainly above, you know, uh, on the main card. Yeah, I love it. I, that was my assumption. I just wanted to hear from you because it seemed like a strategic call to me, and I want to make sure that I was thinking the same way you were. So, uh, listen, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, listen, if we're talking to you, I, I have to bring up Bellator, of course. You know, these discussions have been going on and on and on. What can you tell us about the latest in any potential partnership acquisition, uh, however things potentially may be structured? I know business deals can't always be talked about when they're happening, but uh, the, the, the rumors, the reports are too strong. What, what can you tell us? Yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, the opportunity of finalizing, you know, that deal. And uh, when it's done, you'll, you'll be the first to know. And uh, and more to come on how that on on how potentially Bellator fits within our overall platform, and uh, until it's done, it's not done. That's the truth. Well, we're looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Pete, listen, I know you're a busy man. I know you've had a lot of travel. I know you got a lot going on, so I won't keep you any longer. But I guess. I mean, what else can you tell us? I mean, you've laid out a lot for the plan. It seems like this thing is really moving in the direction you guys always had the vision. But, uh, you know, whether it be the championship, whether it be 2024, what's the message that, that you want fans to leave with? Yeah, well, 2024, I mean, you're talking about, you know, we started the company with 10 events, right, with our league season. We're six regular season, three playoff, one championship. That's the format. That's the model. 
we feel like year over year we've improved, you know, that roster, the quality of, of the product and the experience. And then we launched, you know, two years ago, the Challenger Series franchise. Uh, you know, so this year and we launched on top of that PFL Europe. And, and that gave us, you know, 22 events this year. Next year, we're talking over 30 events, you know, launching our pay-per-view division. Again, a new franchise, another regional league. So 30 events and all of that product, all those events will be distributed globally, including here, you know, in the U.S. And then within three years time, we'll have well over 50 events for this fan. And um, and the fans begging for it regionally and globally. Um, you know, demand is at an all time high. The sport is becoming more and more mainstream. Um, so that's you know, we're, we're just looking forward to continuing to grow the sport grow the league, and do it with purpose. I love it. I love the mission. I love the statement. I think you speak the truth. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the future continue to play out. Meantime, we'll uh, look forward to the championship. See you in Washington, D.C. And Pete, thank you for the time. You got it, John. Always a pleasure. See you in D.C., man. Appreciate you. Thank you. There was PEFL CEO Peter Murray who says there are a, uh, quote, plethora of options there for Francis Ngannou. And that certainly, I think that might be the most uh, exciting aspect of this whole thing is there are a plethora of options on the table for him. Uh, I did like the fact that he kind of pointed towards that uh, Deontay Wilder cage match type thing because I got to <laughs> be honest, in terms of pure chaos, that might be the one that intrigues me more than anything right now. It would just be insane. Um, you know that would be nuts. That would be nuts. I love, I love it. If Wild was serious, if he's serious, and he's a big dude, yes, he is. If he's serious, man, I would be all about it. But man, he got to do some work. I know you're a hell of a striker and you got power, but bro, you got to do some work before you get in the cage with like a legit MMA guy. Like you got to do work. But boy, how big would that fight be, man? That would be. Bonkers. What if you? That would be bonkers. What if you like? I mean, okay. So he said maybe you modify some rules a little bit. Maybe it's not pure MMA. Uh, I'm thinking about like four ounce Muay Thai for those two dudes or something. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna have kicks, you're gonna do whatever. Like, just make an MMA fight. Like, stop with the hybrid shit. Like, if you want to get into the cage and you say you want to do an MMA fight, do an MMA fight. Right. You know. I'm all right. Maybe take out like. I'm not that you're gonna see. Big heavyweights doing like ankle locks. Okay, no ankle locks, no leg locks, no joint manipulation, but you could do submission. You could do rear naked chokes or whatever, but don't do, I don't know. Like, I I want, you You should be able to take a guy down and smash him from a ground and pound. Like, that's fine. Like, that's part of MMA. But if you're worried about submissions or like, you should be able to do a rear naked choke. I mean, I mean, all right, all right. Yes, is the guy going to be able to to aptly defend like a joint lock, or you know, if you're going for the ankle, or maybe a knee, or something like that? No, I would be maybe into that modifying that. But even at that point, you don't really see heavyweights doing that. I think the newer versions of heavyweights are more adept at that sort of stuff because they're quicker and they're leaner and they're the way they're able to move their body around to get in those positions. That maybe those present themselves. Most heavyweights are knocking each other out. Or they're finishing with like ground and pound. I would want to see a legit MMA fight. Like I, 
I guess if the only way to make it happen, yes, to do a hybrid, if you're going to get some guy to finally say yes. But it's like, bro, if you're over there touting and say like, well, I'm going to get in an MMA cage, then get in an MMA cage and get in an MMA fight. Stop trying to like, well, I want a partial MMA fight. I want, I'm going to do a partial MMA fight, guys. All right. Partial MMA. So let me, all right. So let me ask you this. All right. Let me ask you this. Let's say, all right. This is what we're going to do. Okay. I'm going to ask you this question and I don't want you to worry about any type of, uh, Potential limitations, potential roadblocks. We're in a magic fairyland where whatever you say <laughs> happens, right? Whatever cold coffee says, cold coffee Ooh, I gets. Like this. So you All right, she's with redheads. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 No, hold on. I gotta keep talking there. Right? As soon as I pause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. And in this world You get my head going. Yeah. You're getting me going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, in this magic, you call fairy- it the Ginger Fighting Championship. No, I'm just <laughs> it's all women. That's all that fights in it, and they're all redheads. Um, okay. No, and a lot of them are white trash too, by the way. Oh, <laughs> bro, bro. Hold on, I gotta go clear it up real quick. <laughs> all right, let's get back on track here. Let's get back on track here. None of that stuff happens. But what does happen is you get to pick the next opponent from Francis Nugano, and it happens right away, and you can pick the rule set. It can be an MMA fight. It can be a boxing match. It can be a hybrid, which I don't, I clearly don't think you're going to lean to there, given your yeah. last comments. But there are no limitations. There are no hurdles. Money is no object. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll make this caveat. It's like Saudi Arabia. They don't care if it's profitable or not. They don't care how many pay-per-view yeah. buys it sells. You know what I mean? You're not worried about a businessman. You just get to make the matchup. What interests cold coffee the most right now? Uh, Tyson Fury again, either in a boxing or MMA match. Yeah. Yeah. More- I, wanna see, I, I think Tyson, I think Tyson didn't, I think if he understands now what Francis brought, I would rather see him fight Tyson again before uh, Deontay Wilder. Like I don't really care. Okay, about but wait, okay, then hold on. Like, because I tried, to, I didn't want to throw anything in here that might you know lean you in a direction. But one of the reasons I wanted to say no hurdles, no roadblocks. The idea of fighting John Jones isn't the one that stands out to you most. Um. Yeah. I mean, I just don't think it does as much money. I mean, as like a uh, fighting Tyson again. Okay. Well, no. I mean, at least not in a. I like. I like it. I, mean, it. Like, I like where you're going. So that so if even if John but I do, was I do, option. I do want that. I do want that fight. But I feel like maybe it's just recency bias, man. Because we've been talking. We, there was a point where we talked about Jones and Ngannou for so long. Um, do you move yeah, past? Yeah, I do want to see that fight. Do you but move past Do it? I want to see it right now? I I guess it's not what I need to see next because I think plus two. I was just like. We were just talking about Jones trying to get with Stipe. I feel like if Jones really wanted that Ngannou fight and if that was a possibility, I feel like we would have saw it by this point already. Interesting. Um, you know what? And you know, and you know what's, you know what's but interesting? I just I don't know. Maybe it's just a recency with Tyson. I want to see. I want to see Tyson now that he felt Francis. I want to see him take another stab at it and see how that fight goes. Was it a fluke? That's was that a fight a fluke? Was what Francis did the real deal? Is Francis at my at this point after watching Francis in my head, and I've already clearly stated I'm completely biased towards Francis. I want Francis to take on all the best boxers that are currently fighting right wow. now to see how he fights. One, he's going to make the biggest paydays fighting these big name guys, but I want to see Francis see if it's real deal. When the reason I say Tyson Fury, I want I want to be sure what I saw 
was what I saw and I what like I it. felt like what I was watching as opposed to if he goes to MMA and doesn't go back into boxing, we think like, oh man, people are going to, there's always going to be people that say, oh, Tyson Fury wasn't himself. Yep. He wasn't himself that night, but you know, Francis had a great performance. I mean, no, no discredit to Francis. I mean, he almost got that decision. He almost got that decision. Tyson, he got the decision, but it just wasn't a bad night because we all know that if Tyson was himself, he would have clearly knocked out Francis. Well, how about we run it back and we just see what's happened? Then will you have the same? Will you have the same words on your on your mouth? You know, so part of me would like to see that again. Either whether it's Tyson Fury or another major boxing. When I look at Usyk, uh, Usyk, I think I'm saying his night right, name right. The guy that's supposed to be fighting um, Tyson next. The guy's got all the accolades. He has all the skill. But when you look at him, I'm like, dude, Francis looks like he would smash that dude. <laughs> he looks like he would literally smash that dude. I'm like, okay, this is the guy that's holding all the other belts. I'm like, I mean, do it. If it was a Mr. Do Olympia it. contest or something, for sure. But but you know what's funny is you talk about recency bias, but it's funny because I wonder, and I, and I hadn't even thought about it when I was asking the question, but as you were answering it and as you were laying the case out, and to be honest with you, I can't argue with you, right? Because it's like, history isn't fully answered if we don't get the full answers to the questions that are still there. So I like what you're saying, but I wonder if, you know, subconsciously maybe impacting your decision is the fact that we know John Jones is on the sideline right now. Like if we were, if it was Thursday, November 2nd, as it is right now, and we were one week away from seeing John Jones and Stipe, you know, would the answer potentially be different? Or let's say, let's fast forward 10 days from now and John Jones has just destroyed Stipe Miocic. Destroyed Stipe. Yeah. yeah, and now we're like, oh, my God, we were just at Madison Square Garden. John Jones yeah. whacked Stipe in a minute and a half, and then I wonder if the answer might be different at that point as well. It would. It, I think 100% it would be different because yeah. then at that point I'd be like, he's back. He's he's shown that he's the the baddest man on the planet. Now let's really have a battle of the baddest men on yeah. the planet. Yeah, Because you're right because when I think about it, I'm like – I can't even tell you without even looking up the last time that I saw John Jones look crazy dominant. And I mean, like I'd have to look up when that Cyril gone fight. I mean, it happened so quick and it was like, waited for it to happen, waited for him to be back, waited him to make the heavyweight debut. Oh, and, and it's over. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was quick. Well, I didn't really get to see anything. We, we still, we, we still haven't seen him in a heavyweight fight yet. We still haven't seen him. We still haven't seen him. So I think you're right. Maybe it, it is just, it is purely recency bias where I just feel like if, if Jones was more on the forefront of my, my brain, because we just watch him starch Stipe or something and he's been, you know, then people are going to start bringing up obviously the baddest man on the planet talking. Who's, who's the, who's the, the king of the jungle and who's the baddest man around. And, then maybe yes. Then I would want to, I would want to see that answer. But dude's not going to be fighting for could be another year. Yep. So you know I'd rather see you know. So I guess if I had my druthers, I'd have Francis fight Tyson again in that meantime. Yep. Beat him handily <laughs> this time, <laughs> and then challenge Jones. I mean the clear know. cut obvious reaction that we all clear knew cut. was going to happen. Uh, I mean it's just crazy, and 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 you know I mean this the this whole PFL like. Super Series or whatever. I mean, they they, see, they clearly seem like they want Francis to be in the driver's chair of yeah. his own career and what he wants to do next. And I like that they're giving him the options to to do the boxing and whatever. But who the heck is over there that can make a uh, a fight that's even remotely what I want to see? And there's nobody in their heavyweight division that I care to be a super fight or whatever they call it, super fight series or uh, paper, whatever. Pay per view super fight series, I believe. Paper, yeah. 
because they're going to start doing pay-per-views. It's like, come on. It's going to have to be something spectacular, or I would rather see him do these crazy boxing matches with, like, legit, like, boxing champs or whatever. And then when the proper guy comes over, if you if you if they bring Deontay Wilder into the PFL to do some shit, I'm in. I'm in. That qualifies as a pay-per-view power whatever you called it <laughs> pit view power series whatever wow power um, series <laughs> the saudi series it's the saudi series it's the oh my lord yes they're gonna yes they're totally gonna rename it once everything goes over there all of a sudden oh man i, I mean it's crazy it's a crazy what events can happen when you don't need to make a profit and you don't care to make a profit and you just want to put as as a giant pr uh production you know well, look at what you can do when you could throw hundreds of millions of dollars away and don't care what happens okay so you know? i hadn't planned have you seen some way. of the pay-per-view numbers that are about to come out like i only saw a little teeny twit i i, I saw it metzger put some tweet out or whatever i haven't clearly looked at it and i probably should do my research before i bring this up but i thought he was saying like ten thousand less than a hundred thousand buys like ten thousand tv buys or something oh my goodness granted i think some of the numbers like if that's even remotely close to being positive even if you were at a hundred thousand buys how much money did you lose okay. on that event so here's the thing too here here's the thing that i wasn't even planning on talking about this but since you bring it up i am interested about this because everybody's talking about now like man saudi arabia new fight capital of the world like oh my goodness right et cetera, et cetera. and i get it I mean, that event was insanely over the top, right? Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about it before. They have, from all accounts, essentially unlimited resources. However, when I say essentially unlimited resources, it's because of that. Essentially unlimited. Not unlimited. And eventually, at some point, they might say, you know what? I think we've done enough PR for our country now. Everybody is happy, and everybody thinks we're a great country. Everybody sees yep. us as a tourist destination. I no longer want to lose a billion dollars on a fight. You know what I mean? Like, yep. they can't. So when people say this is going to be the new fight capital of the world, I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, but how long can they run it like that? Where, as you said, profits and losses are not a concern. They don't care how much it costs. Money is no object, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the, you know, they're not going to do that forever. They can't, and they can't right. do that every week. You know what I mean? So it's right. like, can they be the fight capital of the world twice a year? Hell yeah, they can do that. Can they be the 100%. fight capital of the world once a month? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, and it's got to be tough. I mean, like, you think of it, if you're a fight promoter and you're about making money, if you have somebody that's willing to fund your organization, fund the whole promotion, fund the whole big crazy event. You're going to make money out of it. You don't have to worry about paying anything out of pocket and you just have to have an event over there. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely. You know, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, I mean, yeah. Like, hey, you, you know, won't, you, you won't sell any tickets. Don't care. You won't sell any paper. Don't care. Don't care. <laughs> don't care. It, it's, it's crazy. You know, and you, you know, granted, we, even we've always said we're not a very big, we're not like a political, you know, podcast or whatever, you know, but it's hard to not say, you know, you hear the term sports washing over and over and over where people want to throw money and they want to bring these sports icons over and they say, well, look how great it is. Don't, don't pay attention to other things that, you know, that might be not the most fashionable things to look at or you know i know our human right records human rights records might be this and that and oh we might be funding organizations that some people don't like and this 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 but hey by the way your your that the favorite boxer you loved when you were a kid look he's here he's shaking my hand he's he's watching my promotion you know he's watching this 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 there's a lot of stuff that you know uh 
granted, you know, sometimes it's it's nice to just be ignorant and be like, dude, I just want to watch a fight. I just want to watch a, a, a game. I just want to watch whatever. It's easy to say those things and ignore a lot of the bigger issues when it happens sporadically. When maybe one event happens a year, you can turn a blind eye to maybe a country's past and their country's whatever. But if you're constantly there, you're constantly putting stuff in there and you're having more and more American companies sign up with this. In a sense, they are agreeing with everything that goes on in that country. And I think at some point, people will start paying attention to the fact that, you know, maybe you know, the whole idea of aligning yourself with a country that maybe isn't as shiny and and spotless and as pretty as these images on the screen make you look that maybe you don't want to. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, like Dana says, it's fighting. I'm not going to tell these guys to stop saying evil and mean things. So why do I care that I'm going to go to a place that maybe, you know, kills journalists and do us does other shit? You know, I mean, like it's it's crazy. And if I go missing, it's because I started hinting on some of these things I'm saying, but, um, but it's, it's a reality. I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I mean, oh, you they want to do you more were just and more stuff hypothetically. Over you were just saying like any country in I didn't even say any particular country's <laughs> name. <laughs> I mean, look, there's people that would say that, uh, the United States track record isn't that great sometimes. So you can always that's make a, that, that argument. Well, that's true. Uh, you you can always true. make that argument. All right. But I do, I live here. I got to, st- I'm stuck with them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, we can't leave here. All right, listen. Uh, all right, so here's the other thing I want to get to real quick uh, because I want to factor in what you were doing. So the other thing I talked about Pete Murray was, of course, had to bring up Bellator. Um, he says, you know, look, we're excited to potentially close that deal, but, you know, it's not done until it's done. And, you know, we've been talking about this. Like, oh, man, it's been it's been running on for months. You and I both have talked to people on both sides of, of this deal, and everybody kind of assumes it's going to be done, but nobody knows Yes, it's done, and here's the closing date, and here's the operational date change, and here's et cetera, et cetera. But that leads you, while I was having this conversation with Pete Murray, uh, you actually were at Extreme Couture today because there was a PFL uh, media day, and and we've got plenty of time to talk about uh, the world championship coming up in a couple of weeks. So we, we will definitely preview that card. We don't necessarily have to get into that right now, but I think probably the highlight of the day for you, and I don't want to, you know, assume anything, but I know Ray Sefo spoke to you guys as well, and it sounds like, um, I don't know, he, he kind of spoke on the matter as well. Yeah, I mean, it's still like, you know, like, just like you said, you know, things aren't done, the, the, the ink hasn't dried, but it certainly gave the impression that discussions are already sort of in play about potential mashups that could happen should things finally play out, you know, whether it's even a matter of leaving roster sort of, as is and let one be, uh, you know, the one thing. And I think part of it too, and we've talked about this part as well, you know, when honoring deals that already exist, whether it be TV deals and other sort of things, you know, say if you have a deal in China or somewhere else, you can't just stop being Bellator over there and all of a sudden say, Hey, by the way, this, this deal that you've advertised on your station for the next year and, and advertised for the next year, it's now called this. Yeah. And you, you can't really do that. And I'll tell you what, read, you know, you know, uh, with what I've been doing lately, obviously being a little bit more on the operational side of things with CFFC, I've had some conversations with the group around here. And it's like, hey, hey, here's something else to think about, too, is what about when, when you sign multi-fight venue deals? Like, hey, we'll give right. you, we'll give you a certain price for the venue. Like, hey, if you're going to come do one night, it's this price. But if you promise you'll do three nights or four nights, we'll bring that price down a little bit because we know yeah. you're giving us three or four dates. But what if they still owe venues two dates 
or a, a day. True. You know what I mean? Then, then they have contracts. And that was one thing I hadn't thought of before, and I was like, damn, that's a good point. That, yeah. that could be it, too. That's a really good point. And, you know, that probably happens a lot more than we really think just for the ability to lock down an event. Like if somebody said, okay, I'll give you that date that you want with the promise that you give me, you you sign up for another date. 100%. Because I have two people bidding for that weekend. But if you're willing to say you're going to come back next year, I'm going to give you that weekend. But you got to come back yep. next weekend or you, you X amount of dollars or 100%. whatever. 100%. That's 100%. I never really thought about that because we always think about, like, the things that are sending them money already and money that they may maybe already paid out. But, yeah, you're right. If a venue, they usually plan that stuff oftentimes year or two years in advance. And, and that's part of their budget. And you're obligated to that as well. So, so that's a good point. Yep. That's a good point, but uh, but no, it was interesting to hear him sort of say that he didn't. He, he you know he obviously towed the line, you know, just like Pete was. You know, they don't want to say certain things, but they were saying all the subtle things that made me have the impression like, yes, it's actually yeah. going to no, happen. Like, it just no, hasn't happened. No, like nobody looks at you yeah. and goes, "Bro, what are you talking about? That's yeah. that's the like, dumbest that's a ridiculous thing. idea." What are you even? I can't even believe you brought that up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But dude, I mean. I guess in that, and I guess it hasn't really settled in, but you know, it's interesting. Like when this first started talking, we were like, man, wouldn't that be crazy? And now to know that it pretty much is a done deal, man, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you know, there's, it's, it's funny, man, because, um, it, it is kind of an interesting time. I mean, uh, you know, you talk about the antitrust lawsuit and obviously that's making some rapid progress and, you sure know, we, we, we certainly won't try to weigh in as legal experts. There's some great, you know, uh, places out there that are doing great coverage of that. But here's the market for fighters contracting a little bit, right? Like this is an option. Yep. It's not a good thing for fighters, man. The more options they have, the more potential buyers, the better it is for them, you know. And so this is uh, – this is – I'll be honest. I think it's kind of unfortunate. You know what I mean? I mean, it may, it may it may result in better fights. I mean, when you think about the idea of taking PFL's roster and taking Bell's roster. Kayla Harrison and Chris Cyborg. Right off the bat, dude. You know what I mean? Like, that, How big would that fight be? Oh, how big man. is that? I mean, that's just like salivating. That one's so good. I've been wanting to see that for years, you know? So, yeah. um, so there's some big fights. But, yeah, if, if it ends in being less options for fighters, that's not a great thing. So – um, yeah. Interesting times. Interesting times. We'll see how it plays out. But I thought it was kind of funny that you and I were both talking to PFL executives uh, on the same day, getting you know similar answers. So uh, good stuff. Uh, all right, listen. Um, I like including interviews. Part of including interviews, though, means that we do run short on time to talk about uh, everything. But there is a UFC event this week. Um, I will be watching is it. There? Yeah, I know it'll be in Brazil. <laughs> so neither one of us will be there. Uh, obviously, uh, I, I'll be watching from a hotel room in Ohio, I believe. Uh, Jilton Almeida versus Derek Lewis. Obviously, you and I are always huge, big Derek Lewis homers, man. This is a tough match. I think I'm him. literally the only person on staff that picked Derek Lewis. And I even I, – I had to put in my staff picks. I was like, yo, you know I got a homer on this one. I was like, I, of course, have to take Lewis. I was like, I'm hoping for a miracle. But everybody, I'm pretty sure 99% people on the staff – have Almeida taking this one? It's and it's a homer pick. It's going to be a tough one for me. I Derek. mean, look, it's going to be a tough one. Derek, it's, a, it's going to be a tough night. Derek can knock out anybody. There's no question about it. I mean, there's there's, yeah. there's very few people that literally can knock out anybody. He's got to throw though. He's got to throw. He's, Don't do this stupid pitter patter lick smart. I'm going to do a flying jumpy knee right from the get go. Throw a crazy kick. I agree, bro. Go in there and swing. Almeida is so well rounded, man. On the top and on the bottom, you know getting to the ground and he's got so much power that dude is scary that dude is scary it's uh 
I mean, I think the the hype is real behind this guy, and I mean, I think this is the test that they're putting they're putting out in front of him because you get through Lewis, uh, you're 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 nearing the top, brother. I, I agree. mean, this is this is a huge fight for him. That's a huge fight for his career. Um, he, if he takes out Derek, who's fought for the title, uh, I mean, he's he's right there on the precipice. He's on the doorstep, you know. And I mean, this is going to be a super super tough fight for Derek. I'm hoping he goes in there feeling like the underdog in in foreign territory and pulls something off. We saw the recent, you know, uh, t- you know, legal troubles of him putting the the gas down on that Lamborghini of his, driving 136 miles an hour in a 50 mile an hour. Uh, not smart, not That's good, crazy. not safe, especially so close to a fight. Um, but Derek, Derek's always loved his cars. He likes fa- he likes driving fast cars. I mean, he's a wild dude. Um, you know, if he, I, but I imagine if I was getting ready to get in a fight, I'd want to find some release as well. That's probably not the best way to do it. Um, hey. I, I don't know the scene. I, w- I would hope that the streets were at least clear when he decided to push, you know, the pedal down. If um, I got but, the uh, money to buy a Lamborghini, I need to open it up every now and then. You know what I'm saying? You have <laughs> to. Because if not, why not? Just go buy, a, a, I don't know, some Tesla or something. I don't yeah. know. But, yeah, if you're going to get a Lamborghini, you got to find some space to let it out. But, but yeah, maybe what, a 50 mile an hour zone is not the best. Can yeah. you just go to the freeway, bro? There's no freeways there's, nearby. There's probably a racetrack or something that's designed there's for you to do that. There's probably a racetrack down there, right? Yeah. I mean, they got all that stuff down there. Yeah. But, I mean, partially, I mean, I've like, I mean, I hate to think that that is assigned to, you know, I, I know people like to look at that sort of stuff and they say, oh, these legal troubles going into a fight's not going to be good. Is his head going to be there? Is he going to be into the fight? Or is his head already not maybe screwed on tightly if he's going out and, and speeding and getting arrested, you know, before a fight? You know, I can see where people have some questions. I mean, the tough the fight was already tough and daunting all on its own. But um, but we love Derek. I'm going to hold out the best for him. I think if he if he lands that power like we know that's there, He's got great speed. He doesn't have the best ground game when he gets down on the ground. That's going to be unfortunate in this fight. He needs to keep the fight standing. But he's also so damn strong that usually when a guy gets on top, he just sort of launches them off of him. Unfortunately, this guy that he's going to be fighting is really adept on the ground. Um, It's going to be a tough, tough fight. But, man, I'm fingers crossed. I picked him in my staff picks. I want him to make me look like an effing genius this week when I'm the only guy on staff that picks him. And if he pulls out that big win... Um, I think it'll be huge. Um, but this is one of those you're starting, I think, get to the point where, you know, with Almeida going up and, you know, I hate to call him like a crossroads or like a gatekeeping sort of role, but that's kind of what this fight really is. Yeah. You know, if you get through Lewis, I mean, they're they're fast tracking Almeida for for a title shot here shortly. I mean, so um, but I'm I'm holding out, man. I'm holding out, man. I'm, I'll be team Homer for uh, for Derek till the day I die. We're always <laughs> gonna be team Homer for him. There's no doubt about it. Uh, should mention by the way, uh, one championship is back on Amazon Prime on Friday night. Uh, oh, I, nice! I didn't realize that. I would recommend you watch CFFC first, but then maybe you go catch Amazon <laughs> uh, on. You know what I'm saying? And, and watch one on Amazon Prime. I mean, you can always catch the replay, but let's watch. You know, <laughs> CFFC 127 first. There you go. Rep them fight pass numbers. Let's get them views up, baby. Let's get the views. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon Prime don't need your views. You already ordered. That's right. It got DVR. It, it got DVR. You, it's got enough money. Hey, you, you know, you already enough money. You already ordered twenty three packages from Amazon Prime this month, <laughs> right? You didn't order twenty three packages from Fight Pass. We need your views, okay? We need your views. 
Dude, it's so ridiculous how much I use Amazon. Yeah, they got plenty of money. Yeah. They got plenty of money. So catch- I know you're a big Amazon homer uh, as well. I mean, like, you order a lot. I think I even got – I'm now so bad I got that – I do the I do the subscribe and save thing. Do you do the oh, subscribe yes, and save like where dog you know, stuff food. automatically just come? Yeah, dog food. We got it. <laughs> dog uh, food, cat food. Stuff like that. Uh, olive oil, all kinds of shit. Oh, yeah, you got, like, uh, half your groceries on it too, man. I got, like, stupid stuff. Eye drops, nasal sprays, blah, blah, blah. But definitely the cat food, dog food. That's, that's like, that's amazing. Didn't you at one it's point? Just cheap. Didn't you at one point have, like, some Asian spices or something coming on subscription? Or like Yeah, a- the chili. The chili the, I wasn't going to say everything. Yeah, I got, I got a jar of that coming on the 21st. <laughs> Chili garlic oil. Chili, my yeah. man got a subscription to chili garlic oil. <laughs> it's cheaper than when I go down to the the Asian uh, supermarket. That, like, is that shit awesome. just delivered straight to the it. crib. You gotta, hey, you gotta, you gotta pay homage to one quarter of your roots. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, well, that's funny. Uh, we talk about the DNA stuff. I've learned. Uh, uh, I was talking with my mom because. Um, I never really knew much of my, my grandfather, my dad's side, but I was weird because I would my D, the, if you do the ancestry DNA, it, it constantly sort of updates a little bit as more people with your your modifying your like your DNA sort of relations, and it's weird because they could tell when somebody's sort of like your second cousin, right. third cousin, blah blah blah. More of the ones coming in, more of people from around like the German um, uh, Germanic Europe, I think is how it says it or whatever comes through. My grandfather, I guess on my mom's side, I think was German, so. When you look at the things where I'm quarter like Filipino, when you start looking at some of the stuff, I'm like 40, 45% like Germanic Europe, like Austria, German area. And I have like Irish, I'm like 10% Irish or some other little sort of stuff, which is kind of weird because like I knew, I always knew part of my father came from like the England area and like the, the, the London or well, sort of area, Gloucester area. But like when he looks on the DNA side, it only shows as like 10%, 12, 15% of like me as from that. So I'm, I'm more of like the Germanic Europe, wherever that. I thought your family is. was more of a cockfosters kind of background. Oh yeah, we're all about the cockfosters. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's my favorite. Uh, oh, wow, we're ridiculous. I promise, yeah. I am mature. Uh, all right, hey, uh, shout out. Can I say shout out real quick to uh, the Texas Rangers? I'm not. I will not. I'm not going to be like my team or anything like that because I hate I mean, people like it's that. Your state. But it's it is. Your state. It was cool. For, I, I grew up watching them, and it is the first yeah. one in franchise history. I did play baseball until I was about 16, and so I don't watch. I did. I will say I watched a lot of playoff baseball, uh, but I didn't watch a single regular season game, or whatever. But yes, I, I I grew up going to games at the old stadium. I actually got to see Nolan Ryan pitch a few times in person when I was oh, a that's kid. Cool. Uh, I was legend. Yeah, I was there. Uh, the 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 five thousand strikeout of Ricky Henderson. Like I was there for that. Um, well, I know we got quite a few uh, Texas listeners that actually subscribe to the Patreon and do all the other stuff. So I'm sure that there were some people that were. Uh, I didn't see it, but um, after it happened, did you see that the Sphere tweeted out? The Sphere put a, a baseball with the Texas logo or I whatever. I loved it. I, I thought that it. was pretty dope. Yeah, I was I, like, dude, good for, th- good I, for them. Dude, I will be – we've said over and over and over and over how we live in an MMA bubble. Yep. I didn't know the World Series was even going on until – Matt Wells from our Slack channel is like, hey, the Texas Rangers won the World Series. I was like, wait, the World Series is going on? <laughs> That's like, funny. Oh. 
Yeah, so I guess my baseball man card's been checked in. I, mean, I, I, I turned it back dude, in. Be, I, I stopped. I guess I didn't watch any. I had no idea that the World Series was happening, let alone that it's finished. So how did they – what was the, the, the breakdown of the games? Four, four, one, they won 4-1 four, against, uh, against Arizona in the, uh, oh, so in the finals. They kicked their butts. Yeah, well, it was funny because uh, – so the first game, they were down two runs in the bottom of the ninth of game one. I was like, well, this sucks. And they hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the ninth to tie it up, and then they won in extra innings. And I'm like, oh, we just crushed their soul. But Arizona won game two, so I was like, okay, so they won now we're serious. They, yeah, they and then they got on a run. So Still it was four a, to one, man. That's pretty impressive, man. It was. That's so, impressive. But again, I, I, I'm not sitting here saying that to be like, look, basically, I never watch baseball except when the Rangers are in the playoffs, and then I watch because I do. Look, my family still is in Dallas. I grew up in Dallas. I do still have a lot of love for Dallas. And again, I watched that team when I was a kid. And so for it to be the first time in franchise history, um, yeah, that's cool. It was pretty cool, man. I think. I think we That's were like very cool. Well, congratulations to all the Texas Rangers fans from the MMA Roadshow, which clearly follows and, baseball very, very And intently. that is your three minutes of baseball talk for this year. <laughs> <you know? laughs> that is still pretty cool. It's, it, it is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It is pretty, pretty cool. cool. I didn't realize it was their first one, so that's special. That's special. It is cool. Very all right. Cool. Listen, I got to run downstairs. We got to uh, finish up some weigh-ins and stuff down here. I got to get some notes uh, together for CFFC 127. So uh, if you want to watch some college wrestling, uh, check it out on UFC Fight Pass. We, we had someone. Singlets, huh? Not onesies. There you go. Singlets. Uh, if you learn one thing today, I educated one thing today. Check that out. Uh, we got another one live on Sunday if you're looking for something to watch on Sunday. Uh, definitely watch the FFC 127. Uh, we'll be watching the UFC. We'll have a half episode. I'll figure out how to do all that. We'll make it all happen. I apologize again for being late. Thank you all for supporting us for all these years. We appreciate it. And, of course, thanks for listening.